0: bounty hunting like podcasting is a complicated profession welcome back to the second episode of our tv podcast recapping the disney plus show the mandalorian joining me as my guest this week is aline sims hi aline
1: I- i'm sorry could you repeat yourself you you sound like a Wookiee.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> i realize that this is only my second episode i have failed to introduce myself hi i'm dan morin <laughs> Hey, Dan. Hi, Aline. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Well, uh, we are here to talk about the second episode, as I said, of The Mandalorian, which is airing on Disney+. And this episode is entitled Chapter 2. And unlike Chapter 1, it actually has a subtitle to go with it, which is The Child. Uh, so, Aline, before we sort of kick off and talk about this episode in particular, I was curious to see if you had a, uh, a preamble, an opening statement, general comments, any sort of thoughts about um, both about the first episode and also about maybe just your general expectations for the show or or w- whatever. The floor is yours.
1: You know, I, I didn't have any expectations. Um, unlike John Syracuse, who is your inaugural guest on the show. Uh, I don't do a full media blackout, but I also don't seek out any information about Star Wars related things or really any of the properties I love. I just like to be surprised and go with the flow. Uh, so I didn't have really any expectations beyond, you know, my. I don't know, conglomeration of knowledge from the movies and, you know, whatever books I've read, which are not a- canon anymore and um you know rebels and clone wars and you know all of that kind of stuff so you know i had the expectation i guess that it would have like a star warsy feel but beyond that i i didn't really know what was coming and i've been blown away i think it is exactly what i need right now <laughs> it's kind of what i wanted like not necessarily in the the execution but the feeling I get from the Mandalorian is the feeling that I wanted to get from Star Trek Discovery. Mm. Um and I'm really really excited that there's a show now that seems to fill kind of that hole that I had in my I don't know my soul for <laughs> a a like a serious show that also had genuinely funny moments that weren't necessarily overplayed that um that wasn't like super serious and not necessarily dark but you know just discovery is so serious and so much media i consume is just really serious and it's nice to have kind of this is it's it's refreshing
0: yeah i i think the word that i keep coming back to is like it's it's fun uh, yeah. In a, in a way that I think fun is something that I often look down on, and there's some stuff that plays too hard to go into fun. But this just feels like like good old fashioned adventury fun, and that works for me. It really does.
1: Yeah, and I, I, that's what Star Wars is to right, me, exactly. Um, and. Having recently watched the prequels, the sacrilege, um I think that that's a big part of what's missing from the prequels mm. is there there aren't any of those fun moments to latch onto. They tried for it, but th- it, it just didn't work, and so it's nice to have that you know the the original trilogy kind of feel or I mean even the new you know the the third trilogy kind of feeling that we've had so far
0: yeah yeah i agree um all right let's take a quick look at this episode which i think will be fairly brief for reasons that we'll discuss um so we kick off pretty close to where we left off at the end of the first episode we get our, our recap up front which reminds us that the mandalorian has saved this i don't do we have a good term for this this baby yoda i've heard ling, uh, which i heard which i think is cute but
1: <laughs> i i just call it baby yoda, baby yoda. And- I want baby Yoda to come live with me. I want to give it all of the nurturing that the Mandalorian is not giving it. Like, hug that baby. Feed that baby. Are there diapers? Like, how are you caring for this child? I don't know.
0: Uh, The Mandalorian doesn't seem like a hugger, right? Like... I, I'm not sure that he's a he's a hug kind of kind of no. guy.
1: No, he's not.
0: Um, yeah, so we we kick off with him and the the bassinet sort of floating at his side as he walks through this this valley. A bunch of lizards scatter around, and then everything goes kind of quiet. And we have these really a couple really gorgeous shots where he's standing there. Everything's quiet, and at first you get a couple shadows on the canyon wall, and then you get this really great close up shot where you see something jumping over this chasm in the reflection from his helmet and i have to say i'm impressed at the shine he gets on that helmet it's pretty mm. it's pretty good for uh, this
1: gritty environment
0: exactly uh, and he is immediately descended upon by a trio of what looked to me to be Trandoshans, uh, which are um, he very quickly identifies as other guild bounty hunters since they have the little tracking fob. Uh, clearly, they're there for the bounty and the baby. Uh, he fights them off, including in a moment that made me like gasp slash cackle. He one runs for the bassinet and he pulls off that rifle that we've seen him wielding since episode one and then disintegrates the guy, which, uh, you know, Jason Snell suggested uh, when we were looking for titles for this show, I call it No Disintegrations. And I said, what if he disintegrates someone? (laughs) And I feel like I've been justified.
1: I think this episode definitely has... Uh, that would have made it a very ironic title.
0: <laughs> um, so he fights them off, uh, but he's not—you know—he's not unscathed himself. And in a later scene, we see him sort of patching himself up at night uh, with the baby Yoda, who then keeps escaping the bassinet and running over and sort of reaching for his wound. And the Mandalorian just let
1: the baby help you.
0: I know, but he's like, I—I I I, I get it. I get it. I'm with you, Because like, we, the audience. We have we have got an inkling now of what is yeah. going on. But The Mandalorian is like, there's just this baby. It just keeps coming for me. It just needs to go back in its little crib. <laughs> uh, and it, that ends with a nice little POV shot as like, you feel like, and I, I like, again, I know there's a lot of dispute about the Mandalorian in the the helmet, always being in the helmet. I think that's something we can talk about a little bit later on because I'm curious to know your opinions on it. But it, it does make him very impassive, right? You don't know what he's thinking. And so there's this great POV shot of like looking out from the baby in the bassinet at the helmet. And you're like, oh, maybe the Mandalorian's like coming around. Like maybe he's developing some sort of connection. And then he just closes the bassinet and you're like, mm-hmm. or not. Mm hmm. Uh this leads us into sort of the second and the main sort of thrust of this episode the second act um which is he returns to his ship finds a bunch of Jawas are stripping it for Frickin parts
1: Jawas man
0: <laughs> they just get everywhere
1: they're the worst. They're like ants.
0: Yeah, that's right. They're It's like he's got a picnic, and these ants are yeah. just coming eating all his food. Yeah. Uh, so we have another great moment where, again, I guess I should feel a little bad about this, but he sees the Jawas ripping off his ship, pulls off his rifle, and just starts disintegrating them. In I thought it was really funny, but I also realized- like, I did too. There's technically people. I guess I should feel bad about it, but the Mandalorian is not, you know- He's not necessarily a good guy, as we discussed. You know, John and I talked about in the first episode. He clearly has like a code, but he's not like a he's not like a like a warm fuzzy guy who's just out to preserve life. He is a bounty hunter, and he is you know in in touch with the darker sides of his profession.
1: Yeah, no i I also laughed like a lot, and I felt I, I simultaneously felt bad about it, but also a little justified because they're just. <laughs> such little jerks and then i think about it from the like the perspective of well yes according to your you know sense of values and moral right, code right. or whatever they're just doing what they need to do to survive you know blah blah, blah. but i'm just like you're just you're just opportunistic little thieves
0: that's right yeah um, so we have a uh, an action sequence as the Mandalorian chases after the Sandcrawler, uh, including, I thought, a nice little homage moment to um, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, yeah. where he's hanging off the Sandcrawler and they try to jab him into a rock, but he manages to get up uh, and he's sort of fighting his way up, kicking and punching and all of this, uh, and he gets to the top finally, and in a, in a, for me, laugh out loud, hilarious scene, finds himself staring down the barrels of like a dozen Jawa guns. <laughs> They all shoot him and he gets stunned and falls off onto the ground, uh, which was, you know, I, you talked about the prequels up at the front and I think you were totally right The uh, the prequels verged a little too much into like super broad comedy, which I mm-hmm. think is one of the challenges, but this is like a bit of slapstick and I think it works really well despite, you know, maybe seeing like, well, isn't this guy like a super badass? Like, shouldn't he be equipped to deal with them? Um, but he still gets like, you know, they get the drop on him and he falls off.
1: Yeah. And throughout the scene, I was also wondering about baby Yoda back there Mm -hmm, because, mm -hmm. you know, we have technology now where luggage will follow you through an airport (laughs) or whatever, but it's not very good. And so I I hope that kid is okay. That's right. Yeah. He's did sort of it run into a wall
0: worrying along after him at a while there but yeah i think my favorite thing about the mandalorian dealing with all this is it kind of comes back to your point too about the ants of the picnic like he's just so frustrated because he feels like this should be so beneath him <laughs> and i just get that moment of like sort of think of him as like this long suffering character who's like oh you gotta be kidding me like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and that i think is uh, is brought out by a number of uh, moments in this episode um so, you know, he's, he goes back to his ship, all his weapons are gone, the ship doesn't work, and so we get him walking back across the desert in a couple really beautiful shots, uh, being trailed by the bassinet to the, uh, his friend the Ugnat's house. Uh, and then this is the first point, I think, and we're about, I check the time code, we're 10 or 11 minutes into this episode at this point, and this is the first dialogue spoken. So we've had like 10 minutes with basically no lines whatsoever. And yet I still felt like it was pretty compelling for all of that.
1: Yeah, I they have done an incredible job with um I mean, one of your favorite things, the score mm-hmm. really helps convey mood and move things along. Um the physicality uh of you know, of the actor in the Mandalorian suit. I don't know his name, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> but, like He I don't know if that's just naturally like he's able to convey so much with body language or if he had a lot of direction or training on that. But it's really, really very compelling. And then Baby Yoda is very expressive. They've done a great job Mm -hmm, with that, mm -hmm. like just incredible with that little puppet. And so I um. I didn't miss the dialogue. Like there are some, some shows have done things like this on purpose and it, it has felt more contrived and Mm -hmm. like a shtick. Yeah. Whereas this just feels like the way it is. He's not, you know, I talked to myself bumbling around the apartment. He is not like (laughs) that, you know? And so uh, I, I just think there's so much conveyed just through general atmosphere and and great acting excellent acting
0: yeah no i agree with you 100 that i think it, it would it have really added anything if you know he were talking to oh come on mandalorian you got to get your stuff together right like <laughs> I, I don't think that would have given us anything that we didn't already get and it's not like you know uh, so much of this is well executed through you know show not tell is kind of a trope but you know that first fight for example with him and the Trandoshans, we don't need a whole conversation where he's like, oh, you're after the bounty, too. Yes, we are also guild bounty hunt right? Like, we don't need that right. exposition. It's all done through a couple quick shots of like, oh, they've got one of those tracking fobs like he had, right? Like, you kind of can put it together yourself. It, it, it treats the audience with respect. Like, it's like, you can figure this out. You get the point. We don't need to spell it out for you. Uh, and I, I like that a lot. I think that's, that's a, a, not a lot of shows give their audience that kind of credit. Yep, for sure. Um, so we get uh, the Ugnaught, who uh, figured he was dead, uh, is surprised to see him, and they have a little chat, and he explains that maybe he can trade uh, something with the Jawas and get his parts back and get his ship back together. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda runs around oh chasing gosh. a frog, which he eventually eats. Uh, you know, the Mandalorian has a <laughs> one of his occasional one-off, like, spit that out! <laughs> you know, Yeah. I uh, uh,
1: And also, I think it's a child. And I was just like... Mm-hmm very yes good good
0: job you're on top of things (laughs) um so they head off to meet the jawas and trade with them the jawas are not too pleased to see the mandalorian as our friend says yes he as he says i did disintegrate a few of them uh we get a couple a little jawa easter egg as a jawa exclaims utini yes Um, And then we have our bartering session. A Mandalorian is asked to put his weapons aside and sit down with them. And what ends up being sort of a frustrating session is first they want his armor, which, you know, he's not willing to part with. And then they suggest maybe they'll take Baby Yoda, which he's definitely not on board with. Uh, He tries to speak Jawa to them. They insult him, as your opening line said, you sound like a (laughs) Wookiee. He tries to flamethrower them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, this just sort of long suffering. Like, oh, I just want to, uh, just want to deal with these guys. Uh, and eventually, they suggest that instead, perhaps you could bring them the egg.
1: <laughs> Capital E.
0: Yes, indeed. The egg, and they're all very excited about this egg, and they start chanting about the egg. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, and it's,
1: it's like, hilarious. I don't know. Is this is this a valuable egg? Is it like a. a- I don 't know whatever the their equivalent of a jewel encrusted mm-hmm. egg would mm-hmm. be, or is it some kind of fuel like Futurama nibbler dark matter fuel type thing like what what is the egg
0: yep, yeah, we no idea, but they are very excited about it. Uh, so they hop in the sandcrawler. We get a nice little physical comedy moment again, where the Mandalorian is shoved into the cramp. Oh, it's uh, so good! <laughs> the cramp cockpit. Uh, very annoyed. Clearly, again, from his physicality, and his bilingual, and he's like slams his helmet on the roof at one point by accident. Uh, and if you think that comedy's too broad, just remember, Empire Strikes Back. Man, Luke does the same thing when he's in Yoda's hut. So, like, <laughs> this is classic throwback material.
1: Well, and it's it's just this really good um reminder too that he's completely outside of his elements. Yes. You know, he he attacked that sandcrawler with obviously no plan. And I'm sure that he's he's done things with no plan, like as a bounty hunter. You know, you do things with no plan frequently, but I was like, that thing is big. You don't really know how it works. Apparently you weren't aware of the Jawas, so you're kind of in over your head. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a, a another reminder kind of using the sandcrawler that like, this dude really doesn't know what, <laughs> what he's doing. He's just trying to go with the flow to get off the planet, um, which may or may not happen.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, he's very reactive in this entire episode. And yeah. even though we were told, like, he is the best, you know, in that first episode, I think it's clear, you know, like you said, he doesn't have a plan. He's going in. He, he was short on information in the first place. And it feels like kind of everything here has been about like curveballs coming at him left and right and he might be good when he's sort of got the chance to plan ahead um, but in this case where he's dealing with all this sort of stuff that's off kilter and put him really out of his element I think that's a great way of putting it like he is he is on his back foot right he is reacting to everything it's kind of fun to watch him do that even if we know he's good and he's competent he is a little out of his depth
1: yeah and there's so much about him that that projects him being maybe methodical isn't exactly the right word, but it's close enough. Like he's maybe fastidious. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, his armor is in good shape. He takes good care of it. He, he seems to consider what he's saying before he speaks Mm. his motion. You know, he he is very spare in his physicality. You know, he's not, he doesn't twitch or fiddle or whatever. He's, he, he, every motion is is for a purpose, you know? And yeah. so there's so much about him that's, like, intentional. And then we get to this thing where he's, you know, trying to blow Torch Jawa or whatever. Yeah, right. And it's like, so I don't know if that's, um, if this is his character or if it is the frustration of the situation that he's found himself in. It'll be interesting to see. How that goes over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this leads us into our third act, which is dealing with uh, this this monster. I believe it's called a mudhorn in the captions. Um, he goes to the lair and he's kind of, you know, stealing himself, checks all his weapons and everything. And then he goes in and he's poking around and we have sort of your classic monster scene where first there's a bunch of bones and then there's all this like mud and grass. And all of a sudden there's an eye and he's thrown out of the cave, pretty messed up already, Uh, you know, goes for his gun. We've, of course, seen he can disintegrate things with his gun. Of course, the gun is jammed. And he gets tossed around a bunch while baby Yoda is watching until he gets knocked down at one point. And it seems like he's down for the count. All he's got left is his knife. He sort of draws that. He's holding it out as the mudhorn charges him. And all of a sudden we see a little claw and the mudhorn is like floating in midair. It's, it's feet just like paddling, like, like nothing there. Uh, and we all have a moment of what, (laughs) um, the uh the apparently that's not easy though because baby yoda passes out and the mudhorn falls to the ground and the mandalorian has just enough presence of mind to sort of stab it uh before it uh can get back on the warpath uh and so he uh sees the baby is all asleep goes in grabs the egg which is kind of weird and hairy it looks like a coconut maybe uh the jawas are are about ready to give up on him coming back with the egg Uh, Even though the Ugnat's trying to convince him to stay. And then the Mandalorian and the baby come over the horizon. He's all muddy and everything, but he's got the egg. The Jawas are super excited and they cut it open because it's full of all this really gooey yellow yolk. Like it's a giant Cadbury cream egg or something. (laughs) Uh, And they just spend all their time like scooping it out and eating it, which was gross, but also hilarious. Because you kind of feel like, is this some sort of like, is it some sort of like Jawa drug or something? (laughs)
1: Well, I would imagine, in you know, living in the desert, something like that is very hard to come by, mm. so it's probably quite a treat for
0: them. A delicacy, perhaps.
1: A, yes, yep. That they just dive into
0: <laughs> yeah i thought that that was great because uh, my, my wife asked me as we were watching it she's like what do you think i do with the egg i was like make a big omelet <laughs> pretty close Yeah, <laughs> deconstructed uh, omelet that's right yeah it's like they they could have just cracked it into a into a tall glass like your post-workout drink with all the egg yolks or something <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah uh so the the mandalorian loads up his sled full of parts uh and the uh tows him back and we have this interesting conversation between the two of them, uh, in which the uh, the Ugnat says, "You know, I, I tell me again. I still don't understand what happened." And the Mandalorian looks at the baby and says, "Neither do I." Mm-hmm. Hmm. So they return. Uh, there's a montage as they put the ship back together. And uh, the Mandalorian tries to thank the Ugnot, um, offering him a portion of the reward or offering to hire him on. But the, the Ugnot is happy where he is and thankful that the Mandalorian has brought peace to his valley. He wishes him good luck. The Mandalorian sets off. Uh, the baby is still asleep uh, and seems very difficult to rouse and then uh, wakes up and is. Uh, they have a, a brief moment there before we move on to our next adventure. So... The thing that jumped out at me uh, is in most in terms of thinking about sort of where this is going is this whole conversation that the Mandalorian and the Ugnat have about the baby. Uh, because from what we can see, and there's, there's certainly not a lot of time or explication given to it, but the Mandalorian really doesn't seem to have any idea what is going on. And that mm-hmm. makes me wonder, based on our setting here, which is after Return of the Jedi how much is really known, say, about the Jedi or about the Force in these widespread, far-flung regions? Um, because it seems like they really don't immediately, you know, peg, oh, use the Force on that monster, right? They seem to have no idea what's going on, which I thought was really interesting.
1: Yeah, so I don't know how, how far after say the prequels this is
0: it's well In, yeah like i the, the the i think the stated thing i've seen is that this is 5 years after return of the jedi so you're talking okay. 25 years after the prequels roughly
1: so even 25 years ago the jedi were as we know from other media they were kind of like a small religious sect basically And maybe Whispers reached, you know, the far reaches of the universe here and there. But it really seems like the Jedi were so centralized in, you know, it would be like us knowing about a monastery with 10 monks in (laughs) South Africa or something, you know, like just completely out of the way, not where you would necessarily expect it to be. and. And so, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that they don't. That not everybody knows about the Force. It does kind of surprise me, though, that we are in the middle of a Star Wars <laughs> property where they don't know about the Force. Right. So
0: it's it's a weird position because again, it seems like maybe we as the audience are better informed than the characters that we're actually seeing here which I find an interesting dynamic because, and maybe this will get spelled out a little more in the future, I mean, the Mandalorian seems to have some connections with his his heritage and his roots based on the first episode, and certainly I think the Mandalorian and the Jedi kind of do have a history that, that touches at some point, so it made me wonder if he would at least be, be knowledgeable about that. But it's also clear that they are kind of off in a little diaspora where they may not have retained all, all of their um, you know history or heritage or what have you. So certainly plausible that he doesn't know about it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was something that particularly interested me in just in terms of the larger uh, canon and universe that we're building here because so many of our other Star Wars properties have taken the the conflict of the force of the light side and the dark side as sort of a central tenet of the story they're telling and this feels like one of the first you know perhaps the exception of sort of the spin-off movies like Rogue One and Solo which touched very lightly at times upon you know those types of characters but mostly you know we have dealt with these sort of big overarching themes and this doesn't seem to be where we're going here
1: yeah um Which I think is great, and I think it's great especially for people who haven't seen Star Wars or people who aren't really invested in Star Wars. It's a way for them to kind of come in and not have to – what am I trying to say? Like, not have to buy into the hype Mm -hmm. of, of what, you know, you and I know and love. But they can kind of come in and maybe be more gradually introduced to all of this over time. And maybe that'll make it easier for them to swallow. I don't know. Um, Strange as it may sound, I have friends who have never seen Star Wars and are not at all interested. And I'm thinking, well, maybe The Mandalorian would be an interesting way for them to see if, you know, if this might be something that they like. Because... Um it like we have said, it's got the Star Wars y feel to it. Mm-hmm. So if they like that and get invested in this show, then maybe they will want to watch, you know, not the prequels, but the <laughs> not, the original let's, let's trilogy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but the original trilogy and um and the new movies. And I'm kind of excited about that.
0: Yeah, I, I think this as a, you know, it's something I think, you know, Jason on the main show we've talked about in the past is the idea that there are all these different genres of stories that you can tell within this universe. Yep. And and this really leans heavily. Like Space Western was certainly a big part of uh, the inspiration for the original trilogy, especially the first movie. And I feel like that's what they've leaned into the most heavily here. Uh, this does, to me, really feel like a Western. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, it's got these, in these two episodes anyways, it's got this, these huge vistas um, that are very, you know, desert vistas with a lot of these really wide shots uh, with this lone character, and it, it kind of isolated, who doesn't talk a lot, uh, and obviously channels a lot of that sort of classic Sergio Leone, uh, you know, the Fistful of Dollars, Clint Eastwood Westerns and stuff like that. Um, but it also has, as it, you know, the other thing that we get here that we have gotten less with the Star Wars thing is a main character who whose motivations are conflicted, right? Like, who kind of walks a questionable morality line. Uh, most of, you know, obviously our, our heroes in the, the main sequence of movies have always been good guys, right? Even people like Han Solo, who have... That's sort of like, well, maybe they're kind of edgy in terms of like, how good are they? Um, but even there, you know, we see him develop and he's very clearly a hero, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this character, th- I don't think you can say that easily. Like, as we kind of talked about with him disintegrate these people, like, I-, I think he's he's a little more on the line there.
1: Well, and even in the first movie, it seemed like he was really debating about like, what to do with this kid Mm -hmm. you know there it wasn't he didn't instantaneously shoot the the droid that wanted to kill baby yoda he he kind of considered things for a second and i think um as you and john talked about in in the previous episode i think that um there was that moment of like he was an orphan and this Mm -hmm. kid is apparently an orphan like and i'm sure that was playing into it too but I, I would believe that he very seriously considered, like, they said dead or alive, and that I would need to provide proof, so, you know, things would be easier
0: if, right, if I right. didn't take
1: this kid in alive. And uh, I, I think that that's, that's interesting, because I don't think it was, like, this uh, this choice, like, oh my gosh, it would be wrong to kill an infant alien, it was... It was a considered thing.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, there was a large degree of practicality in there, but colored perhaps a little bit by his his upbringing. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think I, I enjoy watching that type of character because it does also provide a certain degree of unpredictability, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't know what the Mandalorian is going to do next because it's not as cut and dried as saying they're always going to do the right thing. Um, but more often than not so far, we have seen him at least take actions that seem more like they are, uh, towards the side of something, something good, if you will.
1: He, he has a goal.
0: Yes. Right. He
1: has an objective and it's, he is going to, uh, he's going to reach his goal or he's going to die trying and kill everybody else and, <laughs> <laughs> along the way. You know, like that I think that is his moral code. His moral code is I do what it takes to you know, bring in the bounty and whether that is because um ultimately he's trying to take care of uh these other abandoned kids or you know, other other mandalorians or whatever, um we don't know yet, but At the very least, we know that his objective is to bring in the bounty.
0: Yeah, I think that provides a really interesting like, potential pivot point here, because I think his goal is to, like you said, he's got a goal. He's trying to complete his mission, but it's possible that his mission, like what he thinks that mean, could change, right? Like, I think that's what we're looking at maybe in these, you know, when he comes back with this baby and delivers it and they just you know the people he delivers to decide like okay we're going to experiment on it or whatever like i could easily see him feeling like all right maybe my mission was not delivering this bounty maybe my mission was protecting this kid yeah and that's that's an interesting way to like pivot you still got the same goal of like finishing your mission but your mission is not what you thought it was
1: yeah and i think that i think that's that's ultimately what this particular episode was about I don't think it was so much about him getting off of the planet with baby Yoda. I think looking back on this, we Mm. will consider this episode where he starts to soften towards baby Yoda. Um, Obviously, I don't know that for sure, but I think that that's I think that's what this is going toward is that ultimate goal of like, oh, yeah, I can see why he decided to shoot out do a shootout with the the goons in the back room, the stormtroopers in the back room, you know, because in the previous episode, he saw all of this potential or, you know, whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. This sort of, if he had just gotten on the ship with his, with the baby and flown off, you would be like, well, he's just, you know, wanted to deliver his bounty alive, right? This th- there's a bond that's starting to establish yep. here. And I think you're totally you totally nailed that. Like this is kind of giving us a good explanation for why he may be loath to do the kind of uncomfortable or or bad things that he might have to do otherwise. Yeah. Um you talked a little bit uh, about the um the impressiveness of baby Yoda and uh, from like a technical perspective. And mm-hmm. I-, I wanted to definitely uh, second that, there was a scene in particular, I can't remember at which point, I think it may be when the, the Mandalorian is fighting the the Mudhorn, where we get a real close-up, and you can see the little hairs on its head, like, yep. in the breeze, and I'm just sitting there going, wow. It, it reminded me from the first show John and I talking about, like, just, like, how good this show looks. It is... Yeah. It is kind of... <laughs> It's kind of sickening how good this show looks. It's kind of how really, I feel about it.
1: Yeah. And there's um when the Mandalorian goes into the Mudhorn's cave, like there's so many beautifully composed shots. But I think my favorite shot in this episode is like he goes in and then they pull out and or not pan out. But like you see this view of like the cave. In baby Yoda, kind of in the corner-ish of the frame, Mm. and then, like, the cave lights up red, and there's just, like, (laughs) (laughs) the little hovering bassinet with the baby, and it was such a neat shot, and um, I don't know, I just... It was impressive to me. I don't know that composition just really got to me. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. There's lots of there's lots of fantastic shots in here. Uh, I think there's you know the one I mentioned during a little bit during the recap is uh, uh, after he fails, I think to uh, get he chase down the sandcrawler. It's this beautiful vista of him walking back with the bass net as like the sun goes down behind him and all these Mm -hmm. purples and and oranges and everything. It's just it's just a gorgeous shot, and you're like. Man, they have really... They put so much time and effort into making every frame of this really look great uh, that it impresses me. And and to sort of build on that, the whole feeling... You know, a big part of this, as we talked about, and as I talked about, John, is feeling like Star Wars. And yeah. I feel like this really nails it in a way that even even other... Actual, like, even the prequels quite didn't quite get to for me, right? Everything... Felt a little for me. It always felt a little off in the prequels, and for this, for some reason, this feels. Maybe it's just because it's my you know my quote unquote my Star Wars mm-hmm. from the original trilogy, but it really feels like it to me.
1: I so the word as you're talking, the word that I keep that keeps popping into my head is considered. Mm. Um, so much of the original trilogy felt considered. And it was because they had such budgetary constraints and, mm-hmm. you know, it, they were really constrained. And so they had to be very intentional and methodical with costuming and, you know, how many actors they had and, and, and all of this stuff, you know? And so the shots felt intentional, just like the shots here feel intentional. And I think that with the prequels, it was just like, he basically had a blank check and it was like, all right, let's just throw everything at it. And it didn't, it didn't have that, that intentionality to it. It just felt chaotic.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and strikes me here because they, it does, it's clear to me, they have a lot of resources uh, in the same way that, that Lucas did in the prequels. But again, it feels like they're really careful about picking and choosing. And maybe part of yeah. that is just because, you know, it's been, 20 years now since the prequel started to come out and, and it's no longer quite being like a kid in a candy store right where it's like we have all this let's just throw everything at it it's now like we've spent 20 years using these tools and really trying to figure out what we can do that's really effective with these tools and so like you said consider it's great like they're they they they're thinking about how best to bear, to bring these tools to bear and what tools to use too like I, I'm still not sure looking at this whether I, I assume based on my just gut instinct that the Ugnot is a is a person with prosthetics. In a, s- I think so. And, and it, but and and that works for me. Like they could have done a CGI creature, right? And I am sure there's some CGI that comes into play there. But they made a choice in terms of like how they were going to present it. So I think there's something that's to be said about that. Is like realizing, like okay, different tools suit us uh, for different purposes.
1: Yeah, and and really. I think for the Star Wars universe, I as much as I am kind of bagging on the prequels in this conversation, I do think they served a purpose. I think that they were um instructive if nothing else, you know, like like what what feels like Star Wars, well the prequels don't feel like Star Wars. So I'm sure that people were doing were thinking about like why why don't they feel like Star Wars? Why didn't people respond to well I mean, there are people who like the prequels and more power to them, but like, why did so many people respond negatively to them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- what can we do about that? And I I think that, um, you know, if they hadn't existed, who knows what we would have today, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we would maybe be having the, the same complaints about how it doesn't feel like Star Wars. So
0: yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a sort of a shifting definition there. So it's kind of yeah. hard to to, to really yeah. knock down at times. Um, so do you have any thoughts like generally, about where you feel like things are going or where you'd like to see things going, or just any speculation you want to dish out about future episodes?
1: I'm wondering if baby Yoda is actually a Yoda clone.
0: oh, interesting
1: um, so he says fifty Yep. which would line up pretty well with you know when we learned. Kind of about the cloning facility mm-hmm. um i you know maybe not but it's not like we've seen a ton of examples of i don't even know what yoda's species no it, is. it's
0: never been named in star wars canon
1: okay i didn't think so but i don't necessarily have that encyclopedic knowledge um <laughs> so you know like there there aren't a lot of examples of it maybe it is a baby yoda maybe well i was gonna say Maybe Yoda re reincarnated,
0: but
1: <laughs> you know he kind of was on the island with Luke, and then was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go off and do my next thing." Um, I don't, I, yeah, yeah. Timeline doesn't work, but you know, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious if that's something that we'll learn that this is actually literally a clone of Yoda. Um, I don't know. I don't know about where it'll go. I do think it, that this is going to end up being, um. <laughs> the mandalorian defends a baby um (laughs) i but i don't know if that's gonna be him being its caretaker um or like its patron or I, i i don't know um if it's gonna be them on the run from the star trooper remnants or the the uh star trooper impersonators i have i have no idea but i do think that that this is going to be this season anyway is going to be the mandalorian and baby yoda um
0: (laughs) which is not comedy
1: well (laughs) i was thinking the first episode i was wondering if the mandalorian and the um bounty bot were going to end up buddying up and it was going to be like Mm -hmm, a buddy mm -hmm. cop comedy buddy anti-cop comedy um (laughs) but Obviously, that didn't happen. So I don't, I, but I don't know. I'm excited to see where it goes. I would like to see, I had trouble with the first episode with not being able to see the Mandalorian's mm, face mm-hmm. at any point. And I do still kind of feel that Um, as as great as the acting within the suit is, there is a lot of intention and you know there's a lot that we can read from faces so we're speculating well maybe he was feeling blah 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 or thinking blah 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 but we don't know and we would be better able to tell that if we could see his freaking facial expressions <laughs> um but i get why they're not doing it i would at this point now i will maybe be a little disappointed this is, when that yeah. reveal happens see
0: this is my worry is i think i think once you've established that the helmet doesn't come off i feel like any reveal is anticlimactic like there's nothing that you could see under that helmet that would make you like (gasps) you know like (laughs) what it's just gonna be a guy like
1: (laughs) yeah unless he there's like he's darth vader or something or (laughs) you know uh kylo ren under there i don't know um which we know it's not but and also how does he eat
0: you know, uh, straws, <laughs> tubes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I I'm, I'm interested that you point that out because I think that is going to be very divisive. And for whatever reason, I am I'm kind of on the opposite page from you there. I actually really hope that he never takes it off because I feel like I, I feel like there's nothing for me to gain from it. Like I, I agree with you. I understand where you're coming at from. Like it, it's definitely easier to read the expressions uh, and certainly develop like a degree of like empathy for this character. But for some reason, it really works for me with the helmet on. Like, something about this, the way this character behaves, the way he's composed and put out there, to me, it, I feel like taking it off would, it would lose something. And I don't know why and that is. It feels it's very weird to no, me because I agree with you.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm with I agree with you. Like I'm there now. Like the first episode I was like, well surely at the end they're going right. to you know, there's going to be the reveal or whatever. And by the time I got to the end of this episode it was just like, you know, I don't I don't know. There're definitely I want to see his facial expressions, but on the other hand at this point if they did that, it would feel like they were playing to the audience, maybe? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. they were like, we see you, Aline, and we know (laughs) that you wanted to see what his facial expressions were, so here you go. And it would be, like, totally out of character, you know? And so at this point, there's going to have to be a really compelling reason for that helmet to come yes, off for me yeah. to for me to be on board with it.
0: Yeah, I, I think you, uh, certainly for me, I feel like you couldn't really pull it off, literally, before the end <laughs> of the season. Because otherwise, I feel like then all the time that you have him in the helmet, now you're just picturing his face under the helmet. And I feel like at that mm. point, you lose a little something. Yeah. A- and to me, by the end of this episode, especially, like, the Mandalorian as a character is a dude in a helmet, and... Uh, that's just in my head like i kind of have started to map like how i expect him to respond or what physicality i expect to see from him based on like his his garb and everything like that so yeah i don't know it's it's a weird situation to be in i'm trying to think of like a, a, other good examples of like characters who you like never really see their face uh and i mean vader you know darth vader he his helmet mm-hmm. is a little more face like but you certainly don't get any any face from him until the very end of return of the jedi And, you know, that's fine if you're going to do it right at the end. But I feel like we didn't need to see him take his helmet off really, you know, before that point.
1: It's hot in here. I need to stop and consider and hold it (laughs) under my arm.
0: (laughs) Stare broodingly
1: at the stars passing. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. And also, I think it's interesting that we don't have a name. Mm -hmm. And maybe he doesn't have a name. But we don't have a name for it any characters yeah. at this point do we
0: that was an interesting move because there is a so the the character of the Ugnat in the credits does have a name but that name is as far mm. as i can tell never given anywhere in the episode um and i thought that was an interesting choice like even in the captions he's referred to as Ugnat. and i mean I, I in the if you look at his credit i think his name is Kuil or kulil um and he's. Play- I, I have to throw this out because we didn't talk about it last time, but he's voiced at least by Nick Nolte, which is to me every time I think that my head explodes a little bit, and I can't even yeah. like think about like it doesn't even sound like him to me. But it's great. I love his performance. Um, but yeah, the, the the there's so far. I think the only people that we've heard a name for are um, uh, ironically it's like Carl Weathers' character from episode one. Who I'm still just gonna in my head call Carl Weathers, um, mm-hmm. but that's I think the only person who we've actually really been given a name for so far. And again, I feel like that's very Star Wars like because there are so many creatures and people in the Star Wars movies where a name you know was invented after the fact to sell your action figures or whatever. Yeah, uh, but like you know most of the creatures in the Cantina, like they're, obviously they are never named in the movie uh so that that kind of works for me like uh, yeah i don't know it seems it, it, it could seem a little weird and put upon and we'll see how they continue that but I, i'm okay with it so far
1: i'm just i'm picturing a scene at some point in the near future where where someone's like but what do i call you and he's like i don't have a name and they're like but really what do i call you and he's like just call me the mandalorian <laughs> and then it like fades to black that'll be the end be <laughs> the end, be of, the end of the episode that's it. well the, oh, uh, yeah season
0: the ugna does call him mando this time which somebody I called him in the first episode more as a slur it felt like in the first episode but this one was just kind of seemed like a like a nickname right like yeah i don't know that's the what else mandalorian's kind of long Oh, Mando, sure.
1: I don't know. He said Mando, and I then, of course, I thought of Lando, and then I was like, the Landalorian? What would that be? in my brain spun no, no, off. The, the but...
0: Landalorian is in uh, Lord of the Rings. It's, uh, it's Lorian, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about before we go is also uh, this episode, so it's like 32 minutes, and I saw that when we were like starting it up it had listed there and i thought to myself like oh man it's so short like i want these episodes to be like you know i really want to dig in right uh and yet as i was watching it i never felt like it was super short uh, i kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on that like well, the first one was like 39 minutes which felt more like like a network tv length um i, I it's interesting that the streaming uh, media lets you do like move around essentially and like not have to have a 42 minute episode every week so like we have you felt like the episodes are too long not long enough like write the right length
1: they feel just right to me and i i also had the same thing as you where i looked and saw that it was 32 minutes and i was like but wasn't the first one like an hour and i looked and it was not an hour and i think think so far they're doing a really great job with pacing. I feel like there's not more detail like they're not trying to cram it full of everything they can think of. It it feels like really good pacing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as as the season progresses, I guess we'll see how it goes, but I I think it feels just right. I think they're doing a really a really excellent job. I honestly I don't know if I have any complaints about it so far.
0: Yeah, I which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so far, I mean, and again, and that, that helps when you've only got, you know, a little over an hour worth of material so yeah, far. True. Uh it is interesting to me we are now a quarter of the way through the season already. Uh, and I'm, I'm really interested to see where that goes from here as we've sort of closed off this first chapter. Um, and you did also, you called out the music a little bit uh, during our recap section, and I agree. I think it's really good. Uh, the second uh, episode worth of music is up on at least Apple Music, probably other streaming services as well, um, and I love that they're releasing the the soundtrack as they go. It's yeah. super cool. Uh, and it started getting to the point of feeling like you start to pick out sort of the motifs and the themes that are being used in here, which I, I, I'm enjoying a lot. It's sort of like, okay, this is sort of the Mandalorian theme. This is sort of the next adventure theme. There's a little bit of a, uh, like, the baby is weird theme, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Baby is weird. Baby is weird.
0: Um, Super cute, though. He's adorable. I think I've seen a lot of uh, people have considered sort of the spoiler uh, uh Statue of Limitations off with the second episode. So I've already started to see a bunch of Baby Yoda posts on Twitter and about how people oh. are like, I will defend it with my life. <laughs> yes. No, I would. um Well, this is great. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up here?
1: I don't think so. Thanks so much for having me
0: on. Oh, thank you so much for being here, Aline. It was a real pleasure to talk with you about this episode. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and thank you all out there for listening. Uh, I've had some very kind reactions on Twitter to our first episode. I hope you are con- will you continue to enjoy the podcast as we go through the rest of the season. And I get to talk about all these episodes with my variety of guests. Uh, and yeah, I really appreciate you-, you checking out A Complicated Profession. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited to hear who else comes on. I don't I'm, listen to a lot of TV
0: podcasts, but yeah, I'm I like going to this one. This one's short too, which is nice, right? Eight episodes. I feel like is really. I like short seasons, and I'm sure I'll be sad because then I'll have to wait like a year for the yep. next one to come out. But like, I enjoy that it doesn't feel like there's not a lot of filler. There's like a lot of everything is kind of like has a point. So I'm enjoying that level of like it's it's economical, and I like that.
1: Yeah, I um that is one thing i really so i do kind of miss the 26 episode seasons Mm -hmm. but to your point there were very often in those 26 episode seasons times when they were like i don't really know what to do so here's an episode yeah and we don't really get
0: those so much anymore and that that is nice yeah and see i i you know with our arrow cast we cover you know a 23 episode season and like there are some clunkers, right? There's always mm-hmm. some clunkers, but eight episodes, especially if you're telling, you know, your length is exactly what you want it to be, I feel like you can kind of get away without that. So, Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I am too.